Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them, open them or uh, turn them on. Uh, but uh, I want you to go with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 10. Just kind of get in and hold it. I'm going to jump around to a couple other verses first. But I, I wanted to um, I let you know that Pastor Joanne and I love you. I want you to know that. Thank you. We love you too. And, and our family loves you. And I want you to know we pray for you. And, uh, and I, I think this is a beautiful church. And when I say church, I mean the people. I'm talking about the building. When God showed me what he wanted to do in my life and the church that we would build, he never showed me a building. He showed me people. Um, if you walk through our offices and you won't see one picture of a building, but you'll see, you'll see hundreds and hundreds of pictures of people. Because people matter. And they matter to God. Amen. And I just want you to know this new year, I don't want this new year to start without hearing from me. Pastor Joanne and I love you and our family loves you. You are loved. Amen. So um, uh, let me just start off with this story. This is a true story. As we begin 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's a true story. Uh, Mount Vernon, Texas. Uh, Drummond's Bar uh, began construction uh, on the expansion to increase its business. And it was right next to a local Baptist church. So the local Baptist church started a campaign to petition people to sign uh, a petition that they would not be able to expand their bar right next to the church. And that church began to fast and pray. Well, work progressed up uh, on the bar right up to the week of the reopening of the bar when suddenly lightning struck the bar and burned it to the ground. It's a true story. After the barn, I'm sorry, after the bar, the bar burnt to the ground due to the lightning strike, the church folks were rather smug and started bragging about the power of their prayers and fasting. Only Christians, it's so funny. Uh, this is until the bar owner sued the church on the grounds that the church was ultimately responsible for the demise of their building, either through direct or indirect means. In its reply to the court, the church denied all responsibility and connection to the building's demise, so the judge read the bartender's complaint and the church's reply, and he said, and I quote, I don't know how I'm going to decide this case. It appears by the paperwork we have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and fasting, and a church congregation that does not believe in the power of prayer and fasting. Well, I came today to tell you we've got a church in Maple Grove and Spring Lake Park that believes in the power of prayer and fasting. Come on, can I get an amen about it? If Muslims believe in fasting and prayer, and they do for 40 days uh, during Ramadan, and they pray five times a day, if Hindus and Buddhists believe in fasting and prayer, and they do, I believe that the church of Jesus Christ should believe what the Bible teaches us about fasting and prayer. Jesus did it for 40 days. Moses did it. Elijah did it. Daniel did it for 21 days. Paul did it for 10 days, seven days. And he says, many days I fasted. The early church, Peter did it 
for three days and the early church fasted and every writer of every book of the Bible would have fasted at least one day during the day of atonement because the Bible teaches us that if you are a believer that you believe in fasting and prayer. Can I get an amen? So Father, bless this word today. Anoint me to minister with clarity and let it change hearts and change lives. Bless these 35 minutes. And Lord, I ask that we would leave here changed in Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, give him praise one more time. Let's go to work. Thank you, Reggie. The book of Exodus chapter 17 has a powerful lesson for all of us, and it teaches us uh, some results about fasting directly. And in this story, it's a story, and I'll paraphrase it. You can read it later. Uh, It's in Exodus chapter 17. I think it starts at verse 11. But Moses is in a battle uh, with the children of Israel, uh, and they're facing the Amalekites. And they're down on the battlefield, and God speaks to Moses and tells Moses to go out and stretch forth his arms, hold his arms up. And as he keeps his arms up, that God would give them the victory. And so he goes out, and he holds his arms up. And as he holds his arms up, the moment he holds his hands up, all of a sudden the children of Israel begin to win the battle. Now, I don't know about you and how long you could hold your arms up, five minutes, ten minutes, I don't know. But pretty soon, how many of you know they're going to get tired? And that's what happened to Moses. His arms began to fall down. Well, as his arms began to fall down, the children of Israel began to lose the battle. So Aaron and one of the high priests, Aaron high priest and another man, came over and came under Moses and lifted up his arms. And as he lifted his arms back up, the children of Israel began to win the battle. What are you saying, Pastor Jonathan? I'm saying that this story is important because it reinforces the fact that physical obedience brings about spiritual blessings and spiritual breakthrough. That there are some things that God causes, calls us to do as a church physically. Everybody say physically. That, that require physical obedience that brings about a spiritual release. That there's a connection between what we do physically and spiritually that they're they're not just separate, that there's a connection. Hebrews chapter one, verse 14. How many of you believe in angels? How many people believe the Bible's very clear about angels, that there is a seen and an unseen world, that there are two worlds coexisting at the same time, a visible and an invisible. And God, the Bible says, God is the God of the visible and the invisible world. Now, as real as you think this visible world is, There's an invisible world that is more real than this visible world because it is the parental world from which everything in the visible world evolves. And angels uh, live in that invisible world. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 talks about angels. And the church, really the modern church and the western church doesn't talk much about angels anymore. But the Bible says that angels are sent out to render services on behalf of those who inherit salvation. That's a good place to say amen. How many of you ever been in the car and the car lost control or spin and all of a sudden you just, people can say what they want, but you're like, God sent an angel. I'm telling, come on, anybody else with me? Like, you're like, God, just moments in your life, situations in your life, you're like, God sent an angel in that moment of my life, that angels serve the body of Christ. First Timothy chapter two, verse eight, it says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, lifting up. Holy hands without wrath and without trembling. Everybody lift their hands. Everybody lift up holy hands right now. See, 
You can't, you can't be obedient. That's the problem with you. Come on, lift your hands up. Everybody give God a praise. Give God a praise. See? It's not hard. What I'm trying to teach you is there are some things that, in, in, that there are some things in your walk with God that require physical obedience. And let me tell you what. The, the, the Western church is not into physical obedience. The Western church is into feelings. Well, I just feel, I feel like I love Jesus in my heart. I just feel, you know, like I worship. I don't sing or lift my hands or clap or come. I come late, but in my heart I worship. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our Truth Partners. If you're interested in being a Truth Partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select Truth Partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. But that's not what the Bible told you to do. See, there are some things that God requires physical obedience towards. Come on, can I get an amen? amen. And uh, it's like, well, I love, my, I love my wife in my heart, but I don't say it. I don't show it. Come on, ladies, don't leave me out there by myself. You got you to gotta say it. You got to show it. Faith without works is, it, it is dead. That there, there are moments in our life that God requires some physical obedience in our life, lifting up hands, clapping, singing, serving, worshiping. Like there, there are some things in our life that God says, I want you to put, I want you to come into obedience physically with me. Physically, not just in your heart, but physical obedience. Raising of the hands brings victory. And I mean, what if Moses would have been like, ah, that's weird. I mean, nobody else is doing that. You know, I didn't see anybody else do that. It's just kind of weird, you know, God. Why are you asking me to go hold my hands up? Like, if you want to win the battle, you don't need me to hold my hands up to win the battle. But God told him to do it. See, when God tells us to do something, let, let, me, let me tell you some, something very profound. When God tells you to do something, just do it. Just do it. Just so you know, when you're reading the Bible and you get to a part you disagree, you're the one who's wrong. Just so you know, like you're the one who's wrong in that, in that part, okay? Like just when God tells you to do something, just do it. Just, just come into obedience with God. And, you know, well, what is fasting? What does fasting do? Why, why do I need to fast? We do it because God told us to do it. And Jesus even said some things are only done through prayer and fasting. Some things are only done through prayer and fasting. And the modern church reduces everything down to feelings and intellect and no physical action. Well, I humble myself in my heart. I pray in my heart. You know, God knows my heart and my emotions. But no, you've got to have some physical response. Physical obedience releases spiritual reward. And fasting is one of those acts of obedience. And there are times in the Bible that God requires times, not all the time, but there are moments in your life, your moments in your walk with God, will God where God will require of you a physical action in order to release spiritual blessing in your life. And when you begin to fast and when you begin to pray, God releases supernatural favor and supernatural angels into your life. Some people say, well, you know, I don't know if I want to really go out for God because new levels bring new devils. Okay, new levels may bring new devils. Let's say that's true. But the more you walk with God, the more spiritual covering you have. The closer you get with God, the more angels God releases into your life. Come on, somebody. 
Who has more protection on a battlefield, a private or a general? Grow in your walk with God. Don't, don't be afraid or intimidated. Our church is going to keep preaching truth. Truth lives here. Somebody say amen about that. We're going to keep speaking truth about marriage. We're going to keep speaking truth as it relates to gender. We're going to keep speaking truth to the next generation. Truth lives here. And people may talk about us. They may come up with lies and stories, whatever they want to say. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Dream big. Believe for big. Pray for big. Leave God for the impossible so you don't get in God's way. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. Let's look at it. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. Open your Bibles. Turn them on. It says, in those days, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. Everybody say three weeks. I mourned for three weeks. That's 21 days. I ate no pleasant food, nor meat, nor wine came into my mouth, nor anything like that at all, until all three weeks was fulfilled. So for three weeks, I ate no pleasant food. He calls vegetables not pleasant. I just want to say that. Now let's now let's go to let's go to verse ten. Go to verse ten with me. And then after, at the end of the three weeks, this is what he says: it "says Suddenly a hand touched me, an angel. He says a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees, and made the palms of uh, while I was on the palms of my hands. And you can read this. He ate vegetables and drank water. No pleasant food." And while he was in this for three weeks, a hand touched him and made him tremble on his knees. And then he said, this is what the angel said to him. The angel spoke to Daniel. This is what it says. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. Everybody say greatly beloved. Greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking these words, I stood trembling. What I want you to see is in verse 2. He says, I ate no no pleasant food. No pleasant food. If you look at it in the Hebrew, it, it means desirable. I ate no desirable food. When you look in verse 11, when he says you are, you are pleasurable to God, you are desirable to God. I ate no desirable food, and I became desirable to God. What I'm trying to get you to see is when you say no to desirable things, you become desirable. Oh, God. Verse two, I ate nothing desirable. The angel comes and says, you are desirable. How many of you want to be desirable? How many of you want your children to be desirable? How many of you want that for your family and for your life is to say, God, I'm willing to push away desirable things so that I would be desirable in your sight. That's my heart. That's my prayer. Oh, Daniel. Man, greatly beloved, you are greatly desired. I ate nothing desirable, and I became desirable. There's a difference, hear me, between God's love and God's favor. Hear me. God's love is free. It is available seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. How many of you are thankful for the love of God? Just the agape, agape love of God. It's free, it's available, it is for all of us. God loves all of us. But there's a difference between God's love and God's favor. I love all of my kids the same. I love them all the same. I would die for any of them. All of them. But there's one of them right now that's got a little more favor. 
You see her, she come out here. You know why she's out here the most praying for me? Because she wants to do it. She's the one asking to do it. And her name's Liliana. And in case you don't know. And let me tell you what. So like I was, uh, we do our men's prayer on Tuesday and Andrew and I typically meet up around 7.30 and I asked him, I said, I got to drop the kids off at the church academy, creative academy. And I said, would you ride with me? So he said, yes. So we got in the car. We'd pull up here to the front of the church and drop all the kids off for the academy. All the kids pile out of the car, just run out the car, except one. And this one come all the way from the back and, and said, give me a kiss. And she gave me a kiss. And then she went to get out of the car and came back and gave me a second kiss. And when she gave me that second, she turned my face. She turned my face. Because she was coming. She turned my face and kissed me. She grabbed me and pulled. And, and when she did that, she kissed me. And I was looking at Andrew. And I said, you see? You see now? You, heard, you saw. He's like, I saw it. I saw it. And, and I was getting ready to leave the house. And I get ready to leave the house. And I cannot leave the house without this child coming and saying, Hugs and kisses, hugs and kisses. And so I've been down and, and gave her a kiss. And when I went to come up, she grabbed me <laughs> and pulled me back down and kissed me. And when I came up, I said, give this child whatever she wants. Just give her whatever she wants. I'm telling you, that's how I want you to be with God this year. Everybody else run out to church, but you just say, God, I just want to spend just a little more time. I, 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 know, I know you love us all the same, but, but I, I just need a little more favor this year. And Joanne will say, she working you. I said, well, it working. <laughs> Whatever she doing, it's working. I'm going to work the Holy Ghost this year. I'm going to say, now, God, you saw the rest of them leave. And they didn't say how much they love you. And it's, it's me, oh, Lord. And you know I'm here. I just want to tell you how much I love you, you know? But I'm telling you what, you can't earn God's love. But I want you this year to go after God's favor. Favor costs what it costs and it don't go on sale. Favor comes through sacrifice. To say, God, I'm willing to sacrifice for you. This is how much you are worth to me. That's what worship is. Worship is not singing songs. Worship is not the slow songs. Worship is doing what God wants you to do when you don't want to do it. That's why when you do what, for your wife what you don't want to do, it's worship to God. When you do for your husband what you may not want to do, it's worship. It's just worship. You can worship the Lord by serving people. Praise the Lord. Everybody right now who's serving you, all those people who waved at you on the parking lot team, that's worship. How people had somebody wave at them smiling when you pulled in the parking lot today and they stand out in the cold and you was in your warm car? They're worshiping God. That's worship. Worship is sacrifice. And there's a difference between God's love and God's favor. And Daniel found favor. And he was in a situation where he was fighting for his family, his nation, and his purpose. And he said, I pushed away desirable things. I ate nothing desirable. And I became desirable for 21 days. For 21 days and he was greatly desired that's my heart that's my prayer as a pastor for all of us that's been the prayer of my life is God see you, you just gotta know I, 
when I, like standing up here in front of you today on the first day of the year, I don't just, I do, I do not deserve to be the pastor of this church. I, I, I am not qualified. Like if, if you're sitting there going, he's not qualified. I'm, I'm telling you. Like I'm not, I'm a flawed man. I'm not a perfect man. I'm not a perfect father. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a, I'm not a perfect person. There are, there are millions of people more qualified to do this than me who would do it better and be more gifted at it and more talented at it. And I'm not qualified. I am what I am and all that I am because of the grace of God, because of the goodness of God. And it's a young... It, if, I had to, if I had to track it to anything, I, it, w- it would be... As a young man, see, I, I didn't fall in love with the Bible to preach. I fell in love with the Bible because I was drowning. Yeah. I was literally drowning. I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to do anything right. I didn't know my purpose. I didn't know what I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to do, how I was supposed to do it. I didn't know how to be a dad or a husband or a leader. I fell in love with the Bible because I was literally drowning on the inside. And it made me run to him. And it made me push away desirable things to be desirable in his sight. And as a young man, I pushed away things. I walked away from a job. 20 years ago, I was making over six figures. I walked away from it, got in my little two-door Toyota, drove across the nation, left Joanne, my fiance, back in D.C., Came out here and lived in a little basement off a house off 106 in Humboldt in Bloomington, Minnesota in a basement of a pastor friend. First time I ever drove to Brooklyn Park, I had to print it out on MathQuest. (laughs) I remember just driving out here from D.C. I'd never been on a road trip in my life like that. Went to Circuit City and bought me a Tom Tom. It's $1,500. And I returned it when I got here because I'm a church planner. I can't afford a $1,500 TomTom. Judge me if you want. I told you I was flawed. And came out here and planted this church with four people. What I'm sitting back there right now, one of the four, Ryan started the church with me. 20 years, been serving God with me, 20 years. Just young men. Just young men, and we still got our hair. <laughs> young men, just, just starting to serve God. What we did was we pushed away desirable things. Young men just pushed away desirable things, young men and women, to be desirable. We didn't know how to do it. We, don't, we, don't, we still don't know how to do it. But what we're trying to do is say, God... We want you over other things. We want to pursue you over other things. We're hungry for you more than anything else. And that's my prayer, is that myself and Joanne would say, God, we want to be desirable for you. That as a dad of eight, that all my kids, that Alexander would say, God, I want to be desirable. That Nicholas would want to be desirable. That Isabella Penelope, Victoria, 
Liliana, Augustine, Winston, that they'd all say, God, we want to be desirable. That they would push away the things the world says, you should desire this. To say, God, I want to desire you. When you push away things you desire, I came today to tell you, you become desirable. In the eyes of God, what God will do in your life, if God did it for me, he'll do it for you. It's not about being qualified. It's not about being the best. I'm not the best. There's better preachers in the Twin City. There's probably better leaders in the Twin City. There's better everything than me. But all that I am, I am because of his grace and his mercy. And you don't have to try to be the best. Just be who God called you to be. Come on, somebody. Just be who God called you to be. And that's the parts of your story. And it's a divine challenge today. And if I'm your pastor, you know, you got to let yourself be pastored. A lot of people don't do that. Like, I'm just another guy on YouTube to you. I'm just another preacher. And that's fine if, if that's what I am to you. But you need a pastor. You, you, and you have to let yourself be pastored. A lot of people don't do that. They just come to church and hear somebody say something, and they just do whatever they want to do. But if, but if you have a pastor, if I'm your pastor, you have to let yourself be pastored this year. It's like if you can go to fitness, you go to a gym, and they can tell you stuff, but you have, to, you have to submit to that part. You have to say, okay, what do you want me to do? Ten sit-ups? Okay, I'm going to go do it. What do you want me to do? Get on the stair machine and die? Okay, great, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> what do you need me to do? Okay, great, go here and do these push-ups. Great, and you submit to all that. Can't breathe, and you submit to it because you want to change. And when you leave the gym, you don't look no different. That day, but little by little. Come on, somebody, little by little. Little by little. It's not just one Sunday. It's, little by, it's not just one day of prayer. It's little by little. But you have to let you. And you can't have 10 pastors. You can have 30 preachers, but you can't have 10 pastors. How are you going to have 10 fitness coaches, 10 weight loss people? This one eats carbs. This one's protein. This one's eat nothing. This one's eat a snicker, just a little snicker. The sugar keep you going. Just, it just, it all, you got to have one. Snicker diet. <laughs> I'm just saying this is a divine challenge from God for all of us. And God is saying, I want a divine partnership with you this year. And God's will is for us to do amazing things and for him to do amazing things in our life when we fast and when we pray. There's a physical response. You know, the lepers had to take a physical response. He said, go show yourself to the priest. They had, they had to do something physically. He could have just healed them instantly. But he said, no, go show yourself physically to the priest. Go walk. And the Bible says they were healed as they went. The Bible says David danced before the Lord with all of his might. That we're to lift our hands in the sanctuary. That we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable under God. This is not exceptional. This is our reasonable the Bible says it's our reasonable service, that my body is not my own. And I believe that as we fast and pray, anyone in this room that has children that are under the influence of demonic powers, that when you fast and you pray over these next 21 days, that it's going to affect the hearts and the lives of your children. And all of your children this year are going to come back to Jesus. I wish I had a parent who would come into agreement with me on that. I'm asking you to fast and pray for your family. 
for your children. When Joanne and I fast these next 21 days and we put away food, I'm, I'm telling my kids, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this. Do you know how much it means to a young person when their parents fast for them? When their parents, they see their parents push away desirable things that they desire and they do it for them? Do you know what it would mean to your wife if she saw you push away something desirable, desirable because you want to see God do something in her life? What it would mean for your husband that you pushed away something you desire because you want to see God do something in his life? I'm not telling you what to fast. I'm not telling you how to fast. Go on our website. There's lots of different things. Clearly, if you have medical conditions, you may have to talk to your doctor or whatever. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm saying we can all do something. Can I get an amen about that? We can all do something. And fasting is not going to be, it's not going to be fun at first. The Bible says here in Daniel, it says that Daniel mourned for three weeks. He mourned, I mean, that's a great word. He mourned. You walk past the little Debbie's. It's like she died. And you mourn. See, somebody, see, everybody's laughing. We're going to do it. God, God, we Until about, let's see, about another two hours, another hour. And, and, and it's not going to be joyful. And you're, you're probably going to be a little irritable. And, and you may get a headache. And you may get a little frustrated. There's a word for it. Hangry. And your flesh is going to start screaming for, for you to do food devotions. Hey, we got devotions to do. And, and that's what is going to happen. And it's going to happen to me. Just because you feel with the Holy Ghost don't mean you... Lunch is lunch, whether you got the Holy Ghost or not. Little Debbie tastes like Little Debbie, whether you got the Holy Ghost or not. Come on, somebody. Laugh at me. Some of y'all look so stoic, so mean. What is that in you? He mourned. For three weeks, he, he said, no, I want to be desirable to God. And I don't know how you feel, but this year, I don't want to do anything that God doesn't want me to do. I don't want to invest in anything God doesn't want me to invest in. I don't want to run after anything God doesn't want me to run after. I don't need any relationships in my life that God don't want me to have. I don't know how you feel, but my friend list, I'm trying to like, let's, let's get that thing down. Who's actually... You understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I'm not trying to be entertained. I'm not trying. I got eight kids. You understand? You know, and Joanne got nine. She got me. So it's, it's like my dance card's full. And I'm like, I, 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 don't, need, I don't need anybody in my life. I, I don't need to be fighting with people. I'm through arguing with people. I'm through trying to convince them that God's called me. I'm through trying to make people believe in me. I'm through trying to make somebody agree with me. I need people in my life who can celebrate me and not just tolerate me. I need people who can believe that God, oh, I wish I had somebody who believed it. And sometimes... In fasting, God will begin to show you the people in your life you need to bring in, the people in your life that you need to move out, the people in your life that you just dragging through life year in and year out, and they just dead weight to you. Come up here, John. Run up here real quick. Let me use an illustration with John. Let me try it. This is how we need to go into 2020. 
2023. I love you. Lay down, lay down here for me. Just lay down. Lay down. Okay. Um, okay, give me your hand. So some, some of y'all, this is how some of y'all do in relationships. You've got a bunch of dead weight in your life and people you've been dragging around. And now you're like, this is my year. This is my year, John. We're going to do it. We're going to do it this year. Right? And then you start off, and you're all excited. You're all motivated. It's one. It's January 1. Bless the Lord. We're going places this year. And then you go, January. February. March. April. May. June, July, August, September, October, November, December. And what you thought you was going to win because you got all this dead weight in your life, they keep weighing you down. And, and you've got to get you some new people in your life because they may have been your day one, but they're going to be your one day if you don't wake up and get you some new people in your life. Give them a big God bless you. It's too fast. Calm down, we're 44 now. I'm trying to tell you that you need some new people in your life this year. And once some of the people you need in your life is the family of God. If you're not a part of a church, you need to get connected into a church. You need the family of God. You need to be a part of our teams with our men, our tables, for our women, our small groups. You need the body of Christ. You need people who can celebrate what God is doing in your life. You need it. God's not through with you. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then he said to me, do not fear. Listen to me. Everybody listen to me. Everybody say this with me. Do not fear. Say it again. Do not fear. Say it again. Do not fear. When he fasted. The angel came to him and said, do not. What would you do if you had no fear? Who would you be if you had no fear? Don't you let the enemy back you in a corner because of disappointment. Because of fear. You know, you attend creative church. In order to be creative, you have to, you have to not have fear. You can't be creative and be fearful. Come on, Chris, you're an artist. You can't be, well, what if they don't like my painting? Well, so what? <laughs> the enemy will lie to you. Well, what if I write it and nobody reads it? What if, I, what if I do it and nobody, what if they laugh at it? What if they talk about it? What if they this? What if they that? God's called you to be creative. I remember my son Nicholas years ago, and he had done something and, and, and some, he had done something at school, and some of the kids, uh, he stood up and talked or something. Some of the kids had, had, had laughed at him or something. And I said, but they, they laughed at you, but they noticed you. 
The only way to have people never talk about you is to say nothing, be nothing, and do nothing. But the moment you decide to say something, be something, or do something, there will always be somebody who disagrees with you. They talk about me all the time. They talk about Jesus. Be who God has called you to be. Put my verse back up. Then he said, do not fear Daniel. For from the first day, is it the first day? Come on, is it the first day of the year? So from the first day that you set your heart. See, today is either one day or it's day one. When you walk out of here today, it's either going to be one day I'm going to do that. See, there's never a convenient time to go back to school. There's never a convenient time to start a business. There's never a convenient time to lose weight. There's never a convenient time. There's never a convenient time to have a baby. There's never a convenient time to do any of that. But it's either one day or day one. It's either it's January 1st. He says, the day you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I've come because of your words. There was a story of a Pentecostal preacher. And he said that the Lord had called him to fast. And he was getting ready to go on this fast. And God said, I want you to fast for three days. But when you fast, I don't want you to just fast food. I want you to fast your words. Because he had become, God began to deal with him, said he had become negative. Negative towards his marriage, negative towards his children, negative towards everybody. Just negative, 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 frustrated at the church, frustrated at ministry. And God said, I don't want you to talk for three days. And so he went and checked himself into some place to stay, just away from everybody. And he said at the end of the three days, when he came out, when he opened his mouth, he said a heavenly language just came out of his mouth. And tears began to run down his face and worship began to come out of his mouth. I'm telling you, when you fast and when you pray, you become desirable in the eyes of God. There's some things in our life that will not be changed until we give it to God, till we surrender it to God. He says, I've come because of your words. Your life is not over. I was studying this week, and I came across something that I thought was good, and I had no intention on reading it, but the Lord's telling me to read it. So it's for somebody. I didn't put it in my sermon, so it's on my phone. I'm about here right now. If I go any closer, it's, but it's bright. If it's dark, I gotta do. I'm holding out on those glasses as long as I can, though. An extensive study in the United States found that the most productive age in human life is between the age 60 and 70 years of age. The second most productive stage of human life is 70 to 80 years of age. The third most productive stage is 50 to 60 years of age. The average age of a Nobel Prize winner is 62. The average age of the presidents of prominent companies in the world is 63. The average age of the pastors of the 100 largest churches in the United States is 71. The average age of popes is 76. 
This tells us in a way that it has been determined that the best years of your life are between the ages 60 and 80 years. The study published in New England Journal of Medicine found that at the age 60, you reach the top of your potential and it continues through your 80s. Therefore, if you are between the age 60 and 70 or 70 and 80, you're in the best and second level of years in your life. Somebody say amen. So for anyone who's in that age, God is not through with you. And for anybody younger than that, calm down. Calm down. Breathe. Enjoy your children. Enjoy being the age you are. Enjoy the season of life you're in. You will make the most money you're ever going to make later, but you cannot go back and reparent. Don't worry about those things. If God gives them to you, blessings, wonderful. I'm not saying not to have them. I'm saying don't have them at the expense of your children and your marriage. You're going you're to walk and live in the greatest seasons of your life. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. And let's come into agreement as a church. Let's, let's partner with God for 21 days. And we're not broadcasting it. We're not going out and telling people, hey, look at me, I'm fasting. That's not what it's about. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you how to do it. But it needs to, be, it needs to revolve around food, though. Because Christians, I got to say that, because Christians, y'all be like, <laughs> y'all can come up with some stuff, fasting stuff. I'm fasting the auto start on my car. I just get in it cold. I don't let it heat. I just get in it cold right now. And I, I'm not doing my nails for 21 days. And Lord knows I love that. But I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about food. Food related. Do, do. <laughs> Let me say this. If it, if it doesn't move you, it will not move God. It needs to move you. And, and you got about another hour before you're going to start getting moved. You can look at me and act like you ain't good. I'm telling you right now. You got about another 60 minutes. You're going to start getting moved. And you're going to start being like, I don't, who is he talking? He's he he just a man up here talking. He need to fast. I don't know anybody needs to fast. I don't. You're going to have all these thoughts run through your head. And listen to me. It's either one day or day one. But I'm telling you, look at the word for yourself. Over and over you will see. Physical obedience releases spiritual blessing. You get something out of this today? Amen. 
Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I wanna encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.